Hey, have any of you guys ever seen that movie, Karate Kid? So the, <laughs> the clip I was going to show before I started talking to my mom on the phone was um, the scene where he goes and he's ready to start um, training, right? And so he goes to, uh, I don't know if it's Mr. Miyagi in that version, but he goes to Jackie Chan's house and he's getting ready to gear up and to uh, learn how to become an amazing karate kung fu master. And do you know what he makes him do for the first, like, two days? He makes him pick his jacket up off the ground and hang it on a peg and then take it off the peg and then put it back on the ground. And he does it for, like, two straight days. And you can imagine if you're super excited, like this kid was, to get started learning, understanding how to do karate kung fu, and he comes home and his mom's like, what'd you learn? And he's like, nothing. She's like, what What do you mean, nothing? I'm sending you to learn all this stuff. And he's like, no, I mean, all I did was pick up my coat. And the reason I like to show that clip is because in that, we are all, we can all relate to and see how difficult and tough it is uh, to wait. Right, like he wanted to become an amazing karate and amazing kung fu person, um, but all he was doing was uh, Jackie Chan was setting him up with the basics. Right, like he was getting him into those movements that were required uh, to become good at it, but he wasn't actually doing anything. He wasn't um, getting any like what he would perceive as actual karate training. And so, I think we can all agree that waiting stinks right? None of us like waiting. So I want to play a little game at your table. So this game is called What is Worse? Okay? So I'm going to give you two waiting options, and you at your tables have to decide which is worse. So the first one is this. Which is worse? Waiting on something to come in the mail, all right? Or waiting on a new season on Netflix. Which is worse? All right, next one. Which is worse, when your phone is buffering or when you have to pull forward in the wait for food lane at McDonald's or any other restaurant? Which one's worse? Okay, next one. Which is worse, when you text your friend and they like eight photos on Instagram in that time and they won't text you back, or when you're ready to go out and you're just sitting there waiting for a text from your friend, which one's worse? <clears throat> All right, and the last one, you guys may not have uh, experienced this one much, but waiting in line at the BMV, maybe with your parents, or waiting in line at the grocery store. <clears throat> All right, show of hands, whose favorite thing in the world is to wait? All right, so we can establish that none of us like waiting. In fact, do you know what? I think this, I think that we live in a culture that has not only uh, made waiting something so obsolete to us, like we're so used to on-demand answers. Like think about this, 10 years ago, Caleb could not have said, um, hey, what's something that happens every six years and bring me proof? Like none of you would have been able to do that. But what he meant by saying, hey, bring me proof was look it up on your smartphone and prove it to me, all right? Again, 10 years ago, that was an impossibility. But now we live in a world where information is literally at your fingertips any given moment. I can't tell you how many times I sit on the couch and I have a 
a question and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go figure out the answer to it. And I grab my phone and I Google it, right? Like that wasn't, like you'd have to go to the library, you have to do research, like all kinds of stuff. And so we live in a culture that's on demand. We live in a culture where waiting is, is terrible and we don't like it. And so here's the deal. Um, though we live in an on-demand culture, here's how I'm going to compare the two. We can get anything, anytime we want. I'm going to call that a microwave, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. Like, hey, I have a hankering for some popcorn. How many of you go and you grab the microwave popcorn thing and you throw it in the microwave and you microwave it and in under like three minutes, you're eating popcorn? That's fine. Like, yes, you're eating popcorn, but what's better when you actually like make the popcorn in a popcorn machine and it takes like way longer and you get all the oils and all the right kernels and all the right like temperature and all that stuff and all the right butter like I'm talking movie theater popcorn yes you can have popcorn in just a few minutes in the microwave but so we're going to do microwave or we're just going to call the other version crock pot and here's the thing we live in a microwave culture but sometimes when it comes to God sometimes when it comes to our faith uh, God tends to be in the crock pot business okay it takes a little longer sometimes. Not that God's incapable of going faster, but simply that there's there's something that happens to us in the waiting. And so for those of you who are here this morning and you've maybe asked this question or you have friends, here's what we're going to tackle today. I'm asking for a friend who can't believe in a God who allows bad things to happen to good people. And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about why bad things happen and what happens in the waiting, while we're waiting for answers, trying to discover the reason why. So if you have your Bibles or on your phone, you want to read along with what we're going to be looking at in Scripture today, we're going to be in John chapter 11, all right? So turn there with me if you have it, John chapter 11. And as you're turning there, I just want to point out this. There are many times throughout the course of history that God very clearly asks us, or the people we're about to read uh, about in Scripture, very clearly asks us or very clearly asks them to wait on him, all right? And just as we established just a minute ago, we don't like waiting. And so there's a, a hard thing if like you're following Jesus and you don't like waiting, but sometimes he's going to ask you to wait. That is a tension that you have to try and reconcile and you have to try and live in. I think a lot of times we are like, okay, God, uh, I've been praying about this forever now and it's Thursday and I've been praying about this since Monday. Where's my answer? Right? But sometimes God doesn't operate like that. Sometimes he doesn't give us the answer and sometimes there's there's, there's hope and there's something that has to happen with inside of us as we are waiting. So said, uh, John chapter 11, uh, and I'm going to read verses 1 and verses 3. So go ahead and follow along with me. It says this, <clears throat> a man named Lazarus was sick. Everyone say Lazarus. And he lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. All right, jump to verse 3. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus saying, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. So we're just going to pause right there. If you have a pen uh, or on your phone or whatever you want to take a note, underline dear friend, okay? And here's what I want to point out. Jesus just got word that his dear friend is very sick, all right? Now, I don't know about you, but if there's something you can do, and of course, Jesus could do something because he was healing people left and right. Uh, so he just got word that his dear friend is very sick. Um, what would you imagine that he would do, right? Probably that he would drop everything he was doing, no matter what it was, because his good buddy, Lazarus, was sick. And so he's going to drop what he's doing, and he's going to rush over there, and he's going to try and do what he can to help save him, all right? But let's check out what happens. Verse 4. 
But when Jesus heard about it, he said, and now Jesus is talking to his disciples. Remember, uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are in Bethany. Jesus is somewhere else, okay? Um, <clears throat> Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. All right, and then jump down to verse uh, 6. It says, he stayed where he was for the next two days, okay? Dear friend, very sick. Jesus just got word. What's he going to do? Of course, sit around for two days, right? Like, and when you hear that, it's a little bit weird sounding like, okay, what's going on? Two days, okay? Um, but here's the thing. Uh, as Christians, as Christ followers, what happens to us is, is we think, all right, there's something bad happening. I'm going to call out to Jesus and he should come fix it. All right, or at least that's what we would do. Like if something was going wrong and you called your parents, hey, mom and dad, I just got into a really bad accident. Hey, mom and dad, something's going down at school. You would expect and hope that your parents would rush there and be there as fast as they could, right? And so oftentimes we hope and attribute that same thing when we're praying to Jesus, but he does something so interesting here. Jesus sits around for two days. We're gonna figure out why uh, in just a minute, but here's the deal. What we think, I think a lot of times as Christians, as Christ followers, is this, is we say, you know what, Jesus, I'm, I'm a Christ follower, I'm a Christian, I'm choosing to, to love you, to follow you with my life, and so therefore, when bad things happen, um, I hope that you, in return, will help me out through those things. Here's a truth that's going to be really tough to hear, but it's just reality. The fact that Jesus loves us, and the fact that hopefully you, if you're a Christian, love him is no guarantee that we're going to be sheltered from problems and pains of life, okay? That's a difficult thing to hear, um, but we have to come into this uh, topic today with that understanding. We live in a broken and messed up world, and so bad things are going to happen to you even though you love and follow Jesus, okay? And so if you don't and you're like, man, that's why I can't become a Christian because I can't follow a God who lets bad things happen to people. You have to understand bad things are going to happen. It's the nature of, of this world that we live in. But the reality is we have to figure out how we're going to navigate those things as they come. All right. And so Jesus, um, Jesus wasn't just sitting around waiting for two days to uh, impress people or just because he was lazy or whatever the case may be. What Jesus was actually doing <clears throat> is Jesus was operating on God's timetable, all right? Uh, you might think this is weird because you're like, wait a minute, Jesus was God, right? Yes, he was. But Jesus, when he was on earth, was fully man. And so that meant everything he did uh, he only did it if the Father told him to do it, all right? He lived this incredible life listening to everything that God the Father taught him to do. And so that is the timetable that Jesus is operating on. So finally, Jesus gets up, him and his disciples, they head to Bethany. And so we're going to read verse 14 and 15 together, all right? And here's what it says. Um, and so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So he's talking to Mary and Martha and the disciples. Uh, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Wait a minute. What? So Jesus is like, okay, I waited around for two days. Of course, I was on God's timetable. And now I'm here. Lazarus is dead. He was very sick two days ago. Now he's dead. That's how very sick he was. And get, look what he said there. For your sake. 
I'm very glad I wasn't there. Does that not seem weird to anyone else besides me? Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? He's glad (laughs) that he wasn't there, all right? And so here's the deal. Uh, That makes no sense to us. Like, why in the world, Jesus, would you be glad for it? He's going to explain it in just a second, okay? Uh, So Martha was one of Lazarus' sisters, and she comes up in other parts of the Bible as well. But she walks out in John uh, 11, 22, and she says this. She says, Lord... If you had been here, my brother would not have died. So she's, she's saying right off the bat, look, Jesus, I know that you have power to heal. And if you would have been here, I know that Lazarus would still be alive. But check this out. But I know that even God will give you whatever you ask. All right. And so Jesus right here, he tells Martha, hey, listen, Lazarus is going to um, raise from the dead. All right, and that's not the part of the story that I want to focus on. It's really cool. Uh, if you want to, go read it for yourself sometime, John 11, the rest of it. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, this incredible act. But I want to focus right here on John 11, because here's the deal. If you're a Christian or not, if you're asking for a friend or not, all right, whatever the case may be, here's what Martha gets right in this story. The very beginning of, of the verse when she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What she's saying, is she says, God, I know that you are able. And what she's choosing to do in this moment, rather than trust in the circumstances, like if you could imagine if one of your siblings died, how chaotic, how crazy, how tough it would be, all right? The circumstances surrounding it would seem like chaos, but in that moment, Martha's saying, Jesus, I know that you are able and I know that you are capable. And so instead of, instead of being freaked out, instead of um, being upset, instead of being, what, like she's probably crying, she's probably saying this through tears, but her trust is not shaken in who Jesus is. And that's what I want to get you guys to point out today, or I want to point out to you today, is this, is we live in a crazy time, all right? And like, I'm not saying 2018 is more crazy, like, our world is crazy, all right? And bad things are going to happen, but your faith can't be in the circumstances, all right? If your parents lose their job, if they get divorced, if someone dies, if, if some bad accident takes place, your trust, your hope, your faith cannot be in that thing because when that thing unravels and falls apart, your faith is also going to fall apart. Instead, I want to challenge you to put your faith in the constant, which is Jesus, okay? And so you might be thinking, okay, but how does that help me answer why bad things happen, all right? Um, what it helps you do is understand, listen, bad things are going to happen either way, whether you're following Jesus or not. You have to decide whether you want to walk through that alone or you want to walk through that with him. And here's what me, here's what I believe as a Christ follower, as a pastor, I believe that God is orchestrating this incredible, big, grandiose plan in our lives, in all of our lives, and he's doing it across uh, the entire world. But when bad things happen, when catastrophe hits, when chaos ensues, sometimes uh, this is what our life looks like. I want to show a picture for you right here. Hit it. Next one. Hit it. Boom. Now, you might be thinking, that is a beautiful picture, right? When, when you're going through a hard time, this might be what your life feels like, right? Foggy, unclear no answers, not sure where to turn, not sure what's up or down. How do you make heads or tails of this picture? What, God, in the world is going on with my life? Because 
God's making this huge plan, but we see this very narrow square, this very narrow pixel going on in our lives. And that doesn't make sense to us. But here's what's helpful to understand is that even though chaos might be ensuing in your life, the hope that you can anchor onto is that we know that God is still in control. And if we zoom out just a little bit, this is what's happening. There's a much more beautiful, there's a much greater picture at play. And that, that doesn't take away the pain. That doesn't take away the confusion. That doesn't take away the chaos. But what it does help you know is know that God is not doing this for no reason. He's painting a picture like this, and you will get to be a part of it if you are in Christ. All right, let me give you another example. In Scripture, Jesus walked this earth for 30-something years, and he built this team of disciples who were following him, and they said, I'm going to hitch my life to you, Jesus, to whatever you're about, we're about as well. And then you know what? One day, the government, the, the, the people that were higher up, they decided, yo, we're going to kill this Jesus guy. Imagine those disciples who'd just given their lives to follow this Jesus guy, and all of a sudden, he's dead. And they have no idea what to make of it. They were so scared that they were just hiding out, Scripture tells us. They were hiding out in a house so that no one would find them and kill them. They were so afraid of what was going to happen. But if you know uh, and have been to church at all, you know the end of the story is that three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And those disciples, their work wasn't in vain. Even though in that moment, in between Friday and Sunday, their life seemed chaotic, when you back up and you see, oh, God had a bigger plan and a greater picture in store for me and for my life and for all of human history. And that's what I want to challenge you this morning with is, look, Jesus is our hope. Not our circumstances, not what's going on around us in life. Even though it's hard, even though it's difficult, we need to put our faith in the one constant, the person who's never going to change, who's never going to let us down. And even as we walk through hard times, he's our refuge and he's our rock that we can turn to. All right. And so let me just end with this. If you're going through something hard, if you're going through something difficult, that may not make the pain go away, but hopefully it helps you realign your focus. But if you are going through something painful, if you are going through something difficult, let me just say your small group leader, me, um, any of the adults in this room, we are here for you. And so if you need someone to walk alongside you through something painful, let me encourage you to ask one of them for prayer. Go talk to them either before or after small group or whatever. Um, But even though we can't make those things go away, we can help be there for you and provide you comfort in that, okay? So let me pray for us, and then you're going to break and go kind of unpack this and discuss this a little further in small group. God, thank you for this group of students. Thank you for today. Um, Lord God, I pray that as all of us are at one point in our life going to walk through something difficult, something confusing, something hard, something painful, God, I pray that we will put our trust in the one thing that never fails, and that's you. And God, if if there's a student in this room who's having a hard time doing that, please give them the courage to reach out to a small group leader, to reach out to a pastor, to reach out to an adult in this room, just have a conversation with them about that, how to do that. And God, help us as leaders uh, to be compassionate and empathetic towards that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, get out of here.